Welcome to the First Impressions Podcast, the official podcast of the Forum of Incident Response and Security Teams. Every month, Chris John Riley and myself, Martin McKay, share informal conversations with security professionals from around the globe. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers alone, and any sarcasm you hear is purely intentional. For more information on FIRST or this podcast, please check out FIRST.org. So we're sitting here at day two of the FIRST conference. I'm lucky enough to be... um, we're lucky enough to, to talk to some of the members of uh, CERT UA at, in the Ukraine. Um, I'm going to be terrible with pronunciation, so apologies before. So we're talking to uh, Victor, uh, Yevgenia, and Yevgen. Apologies for the pronunciation. So thank you very much and welcome to the show. So um, you gave a, a great presentation earlier on today talking about what you've been seeing um, during 2022 in the current situation that's going on, uh, comparing that to kind of what you've seen in, in 2021. Maybe you can give the listeners kind of a, a you know, quick breakdown of what you talked about. Greetings. Uh, so we talk about the about the scope of the cyber incidents uh, we registered in the 2022 uh, and make like a short uh, description of the attacks and tactics what was used in the cyber attacks. So you mentioned during the presentation you've seen around 43 unique actors during 2022. Is that accurate? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, we track activity of 30, 33, yes, near the 30 actors uh, that uh, we track by the tactics and the uh, software that they used to provide cyber attacks. Now, one of the the big time frames of cyber attacks was, I think you said January 14th, um, where you saw a major group of attacks. One of the things that interested me about what you were talking about is that you stated that most of it looked like it was actually done by hand. That was that the timestamps, et cetera, showed you that it was uh, attacks that were being actually manually done, not a tool. I find that fascinating to think that somebody would be doing that at a nation state. And how? Why is it effective? Why do you think they were doing that? Uh, I think they doing. You see in presentations that in different organizations the same actions was with like hour delay. In one it was at two o'clock, in another it was at three o'clock at night. Uh, but it was a, a classic supply chain attacks. So after compromise, the supply organizations, they have a possibility to make all action by hands. I don't know why they don't write. It's <laughs> we don't know. We we see what we see. They. Victor, want to add something? Yeah, uh, that was uh, in the beginning of a uh, year when, uh, of course, we got some warnings about potential war that can happen soon. But uh, since NotPetya uh, attack in June 2017, we registered a uh, continuous growth of uh, cyber incident, but uh, we didn't see such destructive attack as NotPetya uh, for 
for years, for almost four years, and that was an uh, opportunity for us, the time required to build a robust cybersecurity system in the country. Attack on 14th of January was a serious, uh, um, serious sign of uh, growing uh, cyber aggression, and uh, we uh, uh, we understand that uh, it was provided manually by a group of people, people who were coordinated, and uh, of course we immediately consider that uh, this is a nation-state-sponsored uh, group. And because of a large amount of manual work, uh, we understood that it is a targeted attack. Uh, it's uh, coordinated, and uh, its objective is not even to uh, disrupt some infrastructures, but mostly provide an information warfare to sow chaos and stability as a kind of preparation to the war. You mentioned in the presentation uh, later on, I believe it was the February attacks that starting to do DDoS against financial institutions, but at the same time sending out uh, emails, SMS, chat messages through various platforms as a disinformation campaign to say that there was um, problems with these sites and they'd been hacked. That, so that's all part of the, the disinformation campaign to try and sow discord within the country? Yeah, we believe so. And uh, the cyber component was used to, uh, to store this disinformation and to uh, make Ukrainian people aware that uh, government cannot uh, protect their data in state registers, uh, that uh, someone uh, stands behind uh, these attacks. So that was a um, that was a disinformation that po Poland uh, could potentially uh, stand uh, behind this attack. So um, there was. Uh, there was a number of uh, of attacks uh, that should uh, should lead uh, to to understanding that uh, Ukraine is harmful, is uh, vulnerable as a country to to uh, cyber attacks, and uh, later we saw that it was followed by a full scale invasion. So, uh, if we consider these two components in a hybrid war, like conventional one and uh, the cyber, uh, cyber preceded conventional, and uh, now they they will work simultaneously in two uh, tracks. So we uh, each uh, supports uh, the other. So it's the first time in history when we have this cyber war and kinetic war at the same time. You mentioned during the presentation that there was a uh, a, a group or um, several groups communicating using Telegram to try and identify targets and get people to help with the attacks against the Ukraine. How, how did you find that? Uh, yes, um, some groups uh, organized a lot of people using Telegram channels as a um, public uh, targets there and uh, they gave uh, some tools for people uh, which uh, they can use to attack the Ukrainian government or other critical uh, web uh, sites. Often it uh, depends from political situation. For example, when uh, we said about uh, helping from our neighbors from Europe, uh, they attacked uh, logistical sites. And th there was also um, 
targeting outside of the Ukraine as well when when other partners were helping you out? I think you mentioned Latvia was one of the targets as well. Uh, yes, uh, they targets many other uh, partners uh, were uh, targets uh, of them uh, because uh, they help us. For example, it was Latvia and uh, also Poland and other countries. So towards um, the end of the presentation, you were talking a little bit about attacks against the power station as well. You talked about custom malware and custom tools written for Solaris and industrial control systems. You know, that seems like a you know, very targeted attack. You know, there's obviously a lot of uh, data needed to be able to you know, do those kind of attacks. How complicated was it to, to, uh, for those attacks to, to take place? There is one correction. That was a power distribution company, not power plant. Um, but uh, uh, no doubt it re requires a deep understanding of how IT systems and OT systems are organized in this, con in this company. And uh, of course, it's completely targeted attack with the malware designed uh, specifically for, for this company and for this infrastructure. Another part of that that I found kind of fascinating is that it's a lot of this is using open source tools to maintain um, connections within the organizations they were attacking. You talked about Stowaway and Impacket and how those were being part of that. How is that being used in the, the attacks, actually? Mm, so they use Stowaway to create like a network of SSH tunnels and a network of proxy servers for persistence. So if one web resource, for example, compromised, for example, it's a website, will be blocked, they already will have uh, entry point uh, via, for example, mail server. So they're trying to create as many entry points as possible with using of this uh, stowaway open source uh, penetration tool. Mm, and they use Impacket for execute commands from Linux machine on Windows machine. And we see this at first time when we investigate attacks for 14 January, when Whisper kill was uh, executed via Impacket. So important question here. What haven't we asked you? So it's important to understand that uh, Ukraine isn't the only target of uh, the cyber aggression. A group called Killnet, like no name group, uh, they named uh, 10 countries who will be the target uh, of uh, the cyber aggression. And uh, obviously this Killnet uh, isn't a powerful uh, threat actor. But uh, it's kind of a uh, declaration, kind of a public part of uh, these uh, cyber terrorist groups. They started to bring their ideas to, to reality yesterday, attacking Lithuania and taking responsibility for this attack. So when they declare a list of 10 countries that will be targeted, uh, that means that uh, it's a state policy and uh, they will use all their efforts to, to keep uh, the world. This means that uh, the world should perhaps create a kind of cyber coalition to protect themselves, 
help Ukraine uh, continue being resilient and uh, to to protect their own countries from this cyber aggression, since it's uh, easy to uh, to retarget operations from Ukraine to other countries in case of need. In this list of countries, we see all of uh, states that uh, actively support Ukraine with weapon, uh, politically, and so on. And uh, that means that uh, the cyber war is provided against all democratic world, not only against Ukraine. And uh, all democratic world should find approaches to collective protection and uh, enhance cooperation to, to counter this threat. I mean, we're here at the first conference, so I really hope that you're getting the opportunity to really sit down with some of the teams from some of those other countries that are affected and try and have those conversations, really talk to people about how they can help and what they can provide. Um, I think if you're listening to the podcast and you can help, reach out. You should help. Um, and I think that uh, those conversations are really important to have. Well, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. It's been, it's been great, and uh, we really appreciate it. And, uh, hopefully, we can carry on the conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the First Impressions podcast, and thanks to this week's guest. You can find Chris John Riley on Twitter at Chris John Riley, all one word. You can find me, Martin McKay, on Twitter at MCKEAY. And you can find the first organization at first.org, F I R S T D O T O R G. You can also find more information about First and the First Impressions podcast at first.org. Thanks again for listening.